You're listening to the J.C. and Morgan podcast presented by BP Skinner Clothiers. Folks, if you want to make sure that you look your very best, don't settle for the department store down the street where you're getting something off the rack that is lesser quality and you're dealing with salespeople that sometimes, let's face it, can be a little bit pushy. Get a guy whose sole goal is to make sure you look your very best and he goes out of his way to do so. When I say out of his way, I mean he's coming to you no matter where you're listening to us on this podcast. Brent Skinner a BP Skinner Clothiers will come on out. You book an appointment on the website, bpskinnerclothiers.com. He'll have a consultation with you. He'll bring the samples of some of the most luxurious fabrics from the finest mills in Europe for you to look through as they begin to design your custom garment. After that, it's a few weeks and you are done. It's mailed to you at your door, and you're ready to go. You, like me and so many others that Brent has worked with, will notice the difference in how you look and how you feel, and the price is right. Again, go to the website, bpskinnerclothiers.com. Set up an appointment with Brent Skinner. He'll come to you no matter where you are in the country, and you will begin to look your very best. And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. Welcome to another J.C. and Morgan podcast. This one, the first of its kind, a specific preview installment of the podcast. We've already uh, given you one this week, breaking down last week's action. Now we get to go ahead and do nothing but take a look at what is happening and what would be considered, I guess, week seven of the college football season, including week zero. Uh, there are some good matchups on the board, JC. However, I couldn't help but notice this trend. You look at the top matchups that we have, and I think most people, they would agree they are as follows. LSU, Florida, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Alabama at A&M has some sex appeal, Notre Dame, Southern Cal, and then we'll throw in Penn State at Iowa. With the exception of Penn State and Iowa, those other four games are all double-digit spreads. Wow. Oklahoma, 10-point favorite against Texas. LSU, 13.5 against Florida. Alabama, 19 against A&M. Notre Dame, 11.5 against Southern Cal. I mean, I'm not even throwing in like one, a matchup that usually looks good on paper. Clemson, a 27-point favorite against FSU. 27? Uh, wow. 27. 27. I mean, a game that, that used to feel pretty sexy, at least for a short amount of time, Georgia, South Carolina, 24-and-a-half point spread there. Um, I mean, it's just – these are these are the best games of the week, and they're all huge numbers on the board. And you could say, well, it's just a point spread. What does it mean? Well, what it means is uh, most of the, the people in the desert, and they're not very stupid – Hmm. acknowledge the fact that even in these good matchups, there's one team that is clearly superior on paper than the other. And so while we're excited, I, I heard somebody a couple weeks ago going, oh, wait till we get to week seven. Woo! I mean, it is going to knock your socks off. Well, I hope it does. But I'm not anticipating this being like one of the most memorable weeks in college football history. I, I think you've got clear advantages in these marquee matchups with one team over another. Hopefully we'll see an upset or two. Uh, we could use that this year. A lot of chalk this year. But uh, but at this point, JC, I'm not I'm not bank. Oh, and another one would be what, Wisconsin, Michigan State. 
By the way, I, just to go back to last week, because we didn't talk about this on the other podcast, who was it that was convinced that was going to be a great game, Michigan State, Ohio State? This is not the Michigan State team of a few years ago that was competing for the playoff. Uh, I got to just throw that in there. I heard so many people hyping that game up. I never gave Michigan State a chance, uh, mm-hmm. and they didn't really they didn't really compete in that one. So anyway, uh, that's the overriding theme for me, JC, as I as I look at the top games on the board. And Michigan State's not going to go into Camp Randall and knock off the Badgers, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. You know how, how we normally talk about how the middle is pretty good. It's it's you know a lot of those better middle stories are playing the really good teams, so it's kind of. Interesting. I mean, Texas getting ten and a half against Oklahoma is surprising. I, I that's a neutral field rivalry game. It's normally close. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, I uh, you know, I, and I just look through it, and it, it's just it's you know, Bama minus sixteen and a half at A and M is is a big number too when you consider the Aggies are at home and. All that. I mean, you're talking about some tough places to play, so it's it's true uh, as far as that goes. Yeah, Mich- Michigan State to me is taking a step back. They better be careful when they play um, Maryland this year. <laughs> they mm-hmm. don't they don't want to lose their grip on fourth in the Big Ten East because I think out of the you know top four teams, that, that, I mean, heck, they may beat Michigan. Who knows? But uh, I think that Michigan State. Uh, normally is one of the better teams, but I, I think Maryland could come close to them this year. So it's and how boring has it become when we're talking about oh Maryland could finish fourth? It's a great story, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah, we're we're reaching at that point. Did I even mention Notre Dame Southern Cal? Notre Dame's an eleven and a half point favorite against Southern Cal. If I if I left that off, I apologize. Yeah, I, I can see. I think Notre Dame's a better football team this year than they were last year. To be honest with you, I think they're a more complete team. They're more athletic. Um, I think if they played last year's team, they'd probably beat them. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, we talked on the podcast earlier this week about, you know, Adam Rittenberg's article about what could trip up potential playoff contenders. And Notre Dame's schedule, again, is going to come into question. I do think this USC team is better than last year's USC team. But uh, the game is in South Bend. And, you know, it, it could be one of those that uh, – you know, gets away from the Trojans where the Irish flex their muscle, but it could also be one of those games, Mike, I could see, I could see it going down to the wire, you know, one of those classic games. Slovis is medically cleared to to play and will start. And uh, Clay Hilton needs a win here. Let's face it. I mean, you got a new AD, you got, there's, there's just nothing that says this is going to end well. I think Southern Cal now in the last two seasons is one game, under 500, right around 500, five and seven a year ago. I, I just don't, I don't see many scenarios where this is working out. Um, I, I just don't see the Southern Cal fan base looking at it at a time where there's not this major, I know Washington's been consistently good, but there's not this ascension of other programs in the PAC 12 to where you have an excuse to not be dominating that league. You're Southern Cal for crying out loud. You should be dominating that league. You haven't, and you've had some inexcusable losses. And if they go out there and get roughed up by Notre Dame, uh, it's it's going to be, to me, it's almost unsalvageable for Clay Helton to, to keep his job. That doesn't mean they're going to fire him middle of the season. I don't know if that accomplishes much, but I, I don't see many scenarios where he's going to be able to hold on. 
I, I don't either, and the fans are kind of calling for it already, you know, right now. And so I, I think that, you know, when you look at it from that standpoint, and you're right, and he's got a tough deal coming. Now, they, they did beat Utah, but the South Division in the Pac-12 – you know, you you have a, an Arizona State team that's actually playing really tough uh, and good defense under Herm Edwards, who did not know that the mascot was the Sun Devils when he was hired. Um, they're <laughs> off to a good start because uh, he plays to. You win. play to know the mascot. <laughs> you know, Arizona is four and one. We talked about Kevin Sumlin earlier this week and brought them up to DefCon four. Uh, you know, Utah, who they did beat, is still right there. I mean, that's a competitive division. Um, you know, then you got the northern teams. And, and the thing about it is, is if you're that's scary is if you're USC is, hey, man, you can win every week or you can lose every week because that's that's Pac-12 after, tar- after dark this year, baby. I mean, they there is really little difference between the top of that league and the bottom of that league. He did lose to UCLA last year too. On top of that, so the the the, the black marks are, are kind of uh, you know adding up. Beats Notre Dame though. I think it'll it'll keep people quiet at least for another week. But even with a win there, you know I, I think Mike that for him to keep his job, they needed to go to the playoff, win the Pac-12 championship, and, and try at least contend for the playoff. And they have not done so. And none of those things are going to happen this year for sure. Uh, certainly SEC fans, uh, the, the biggest game on the board is Florida LSU uh, a week after Florida was involved in the other biggest game a week ago, knocking off Auburn in the swamp. This, of course, will be at night uh, because CBS did not pick up the game. They picked up Alabama, Texas A&M. Um, so it's at night, which is exactly what LSU wants. There's a whole lot of a lot of talk about who's the better DBU, a lot of defensive backs over time. There's some interesting little factoids on that on these two schools and how they produced. For example, Florida has the edge in players, talking about uh, secondary guys, drafted since 2000, 23 to 22. Blue chip corners and safeties signed since 2010, 26 to 20. Since the start of the BCS era in 98, Florida has an edge in all SEC performers, 15 to 13, but LSU has the edge in all Americans, 8 to 4. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's Honey Badger, it's Hargraves, it's Reggie Nelson, it's, uh, gosh, take your pick. Uh, There's so many guys, Eric Reed, and then more specifically to to today's day and age, it's, it's Delpit versus... Henderson, I mean, that's going to be one of the subplots of this game, which secondary outperforms the other. I know one thing from my standpoint, not to break away from that narrative, but to me, if Florida doesn't run the ball, they are toast. And they didn't run it that way. They had one big run that kind of padded the stats and put the game on ice against Auburn. Uh, But if they don't run on LSU – and it's all in the hands of Trask throwing the football. I think that's going to be a big problem in Death Valley. Yeah, especially against that defense. Now, now this series, Mike, is is funny. It's a funny, funny series. First of all, these two teams are permanent opponents from the cross division. And when it started, you know, when they had the, they started the divisions in '92, Florida and LSU normally played each other, and they were like, "Hey, we'd like to play." Okay. And everybody was hunky-dory with it 
until Nick Saban got to LSU, <laughs> and LSU came out of the, the the wilderness which they had been in for twenty five years, and uh, all of a sudden that's a tough game, and then all of a sudden no, we don't want to play it. It's unfair. Blah 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 blah. And it's just been this weird – it's a weird, weird series, okay? I'll take you back to 2003. Um, The Zucker, Ron Zook, goes into into Tiger Stadium and beats LSU 19-7. That LSU team won a national championship. Um, So how about that? I mean, you know – you sort of look through the Urban Meyer years and some of the great matchups they had – with each other, that 0-9 game with Tebow going down there, 13-3 to football game. Um, you know, you, you just kind of go through it, and, and you look back in 2012, you know, probably the biggest win of the Will Muschamp era at Florida was at the Swamp, and this was Will's uh, 11-2 and team that went to the Sugar Bowl that actually, had they not lost to Georgia that year, could have been in the national title hunt. Uh, Mike Gillisley carries it 35-something times, and they beat LSU 14-6. to Then you have the whole hurricane deals where you go back-to-back, you know, and they're right. play it about, they played at Baton Rouge two years in a row. Uh, and Florida, with McIlwain coaching, goes down, plays LSU, and beats them 16-10 to to win the SEC East. That's right. In, in an unlikely manner, in a November 19th game. Well, there's a big fourth down stop in that game, if, if memory by, serves. By the Gators defense. Yeah. Uh, LSU comes back and wins in Gainesville. Uh, and then, you know, sense. and then last year, it's in Gainesville again. And the Gators, that was probably the biggest win Mullen had last year. The Gators got some turnovers and, and handed LSU a loss. And LSU goes back the next week and stomps Georgia at home. So it's a weird, weird series. And I think because of the weirdness, the 13-and-a-half-point spread would kind of scare me a little bit. Just because, mm-hmm. look, I think LSU is playing as well as anyone. Um, if they weren't in a division with Alabama, I think a lot more people would be talking about them as a playoff contender and, and probably as the best team in the country, just like they are with Ohio State right now. Um, they've got the offense rolling and humming. Uh, they've got, you know, a defense that is still very, very formidable and good and talented. Uh, I don't care about the DBU thing because a lot of schools could say they're DBU and they snipe back and forth and all that good stuff. Uh, I've been on the record as Santa said earlier this week, I, you know, hey, I didn't think Florida was that good. They still don't really pass the eyeball test for me, but sometimes teams that learn how to win do win and it gets contagious and they – face adversity and, and know what to do. Um, and here's another thing that I'm interested to see. Here's the matchup within the matchup of this thing. It's uh, Brady, the passing game coordinator for LSU, and Steve Emsminger versus Todd Grantham. Florida mm-hmm. has been excellent. Grantham has been excellent at attacking an opposing team's weakness with their very you know blitzing style defense. That's a high-risk, high-reward proposition, though. Because if you have a team that figures it out uh, and and you're coming up field on them and they're burning you for big plays, which LSU certainly has the – look at what they did with Texas. Texas's defensive coordinator is sort of an aggressive guy as well, like Grantham, and LSU torched them. Um, That's going to be the key to me in terms of the Gators staying in the football game. Um, You mentioned running the ball, and obviously that's a given. 
But defensively, you know, can't is LSU going to have the right call on at the right time uh, to to slow the Florida pass rush? Because Auburn didn't have a didn't, Auburn didn't have a, a, a chance a lot of the times in this situation. And if you remember back when Todd Grantham was at Georgia, even Georgia defenses that weren't that good when they go into that Auburn game, something kind of clicked pretty good at stopping that system. Uh, but this is a different type of deal um, with Brady and Emsminger and, and Joe Burrow. Uh, I'll say it like Ed Orgeron says it, Joe Burrow, um, yo, yo. Uh, in this game. Uh, so I, I think that's the, the key for for the Gators on defense. I mean, I mean, sorry, for the Gators on – yeah, the Gators on defense is don't get burned um, and don't die by the blitz uh, in Death Valley on Saturday night. JC, I had you two, just two words for you. Go Tigers. Um, Go Tigers. That being said <laughs> – the uh, you know what was the narrative last week? You know, Florida is going to get a piece of humble pie, and they're going to be exposed and blah blah blah. I mean, I was on a talk show last week, and one of the first questions, and this wasn't even in Florida or Alabama. One of the first questions was, "How in the world is Florida in the top ten? And the answer is, "Who else are you going to put seven through ten? <laughs> it's just you know. It's again seven through fourteen are, are not necessarily outstanding teams, and you know my fifteen fifty theory. There's not a whole lot of difference between fifteen through fifty. So if it's not Florida, it's going to be somebody else that's that's not great. They're good, and that's what Florida is. They're good, and they've been good enough to win close games since Dan Mullen got there. To me, that's the overriding. Uh, theme of the Dan Mullen era, as short as it's been at Florida, he has had a knack of pulling the rabbit out of the hat in some close games, um, and in some games that you know should have been close on paper. Florida has been able to win. They still, when they get overmatched, they lose. And and I I don't know if they're going to be overmatched per se in this game. But I do think LSU is the better team, and it's in Baton Rouge. And I really question whether or not Florida can run the ball against that LSU defense. So with all the talk about DBU and DB this and DB that, uh, to me it comes down to the front four of LSU. And if if Florida can't block them. Now, they were creative against Auburn. And Auburn still got penetration and caused turnovers and Trask had issues. Uh, but they, they were just good enough in some key spots and Trask has, quite frankly, an X factor. I'm not sure Felipe Franks does. He doesn't get rattled. He's he's poised. Uh, so I'm not worried about Trask getting rattled from the Florida standpoint. But I I just think they might be overmatched uh, on the line of scrimmage. By the way, think about this, JC. I'm, I'm going to throw a little uh, bet line question to you. This is from BetOnlineCFP.com. If I asked you who's the Heisman Trophy candidate uh, odds-on favorite right now, who would you say? I would go with uh, Jalen Hurts. Okay, he's third. Dang. Uh, Tua right now is first. Tua is actually the only one where you'd have to – it's two to three odds. So you're not getting great odds, but Tua right now is the favorite. Yeah, I I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. I'm just trying. I'm doing this for effect. I guess. Because I think most people would miss the next one for sure. Who do you think second? Kyle Trask. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> now you're waving the white flag. No, not <laughs> Kyle. Okay. How about Joe Burrow? 
Joe Burrow is Joe ahead Burrow. of Jalen Hurts, ahead of Justin Fields, ahead of Jake Fromm, ahead of Jonathan Taylor, ahead of Trevor Lawrence, who's pretty much out of it at this point. Joe Burrow is three to one. If LSU wins this game and he keeps lighting it up through the air, Joe Burrow has got a serious shot at the Heisman Trophy. If he does this and they somehow beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa, I mean, Joe Burrow's not just getting invited to New York. He could very well win it. Uh, just, just throwing that out there. This is a guy <laughs> that, that, I mean, outside of Ohio State, very few people knew who Joe Burrow was at the start of last year. And then it was like, well, you know, he's, he's what LSU needs. He's a good game manager, which we all know what that means. Uh, it, it, it's code word. Uh, he's not a game manager. He's a playmaker. He's a playmaker, and he's a winner. And he's the best quarterback that LSU's had in a long, long time. And if they if they win, uh, if they if they get to where they hope to be, it's going to be because of him. Because they, it's not the first time they've had a great defense at LSU. Not the first time they've had NFL wide receivers at LSU. Not the first time they've had a good offensive line, good running backs, and everything else. He is the guy that's been the difference maker, and he's got a chance to take them to the next level. But I thought that was interesting. Joe Burrow right now, if you, uh, if you go to Vegas or actually you don't have to go to Vegas anymore, if you go to your local casino, you could get three to one odds on Joe Burrow winning the Heisman trophy. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Hey, uh, you said Jake Fromm was fourth, right? On those odds Jake right Fromm is a tied for fifth with Jonathan Taylor, 20 to one. I'll read them all. Uh, uh, two, uh, two to three Burrow, three to one hurts seven to two. Fields and Ta- uh, Fields twelve to one, Taylor and Fromm twenty to one. All right, so Jake Fromm, Jalen Hurts, and Tua all three ha- have a Bama connection. Um, I know Fromm was committed to Bama before he flipped to Georgia. Hurts started at Bama and transferred. Joe Burrow, of course, was at Ohio State before he flipped. Fields was at Georgia and now at Ohio. So you tell me why the rich keep getting richer. I mean, these guys, I, I, yeah, you know, they, they, they just keep going the same old places. You know, they're like, oh, I don't want to go yeah. here. But yeah, I, I, th- I think Joe Burrow made a fantastic decision coming to LSU. Uh, I know that when JT Barrett and he were fighting for the job and Dwayne Haskins, I understand why they went with Haskins, but Burrow, it was, it was not as easy of a decision from what I was told by Urban Meyer and his staff as people thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and – you know, there was some talk about Tate Martell overtaking him up there. Bull Dookie. That would have never happened. Um, and, and, and to me, Joe Burrow was, you know, a, a good enough quarterback to be the starter at Ohio State. Certainly good enough to step in uh, at LSU. So that's not a surprise. But it is interesting that you got all these guys with connections to Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, uh, all floating in the Heisman um, Heisman Trophy talk right now. It's uh it's fascinating. It's going to be an interesting game, and that that really is your headliner. That'll be a night game on uh, on ESPN, eight o'clock Eastern Time in Death Valley. Going through the rest of the SEC slate. Uh, if we spent more than five seconds on UNLV Vanderbilt, there ought to be an investigation. So let's move on. Arkansas is at Kentucky. Two teams in search of their first SEC win. Uh, big for Chad Morris. I think most people realize for Mark Stoops and company the moment that they lost Terry Wilson. 
this season really changed uh, quite a bit. And it was going to be difficult anyway, losing everything they lost on defense. But they would desperately like to pick up a win over there at Kroger Field. Ole Miss is at Missouri. I think this game all of a sudden becomes a little more intriguing. Uh, with Ole Miss starting to show some more life now on offense, their defense is credible, unlike the dumpster fire it had been the previous couple of years. Coach McIntyre has raided the ship there. That could be an interesting game. That'll be um, 7 o'clock Eastern time at Mizzou, Ole Miss at Missouri. A big game for Ole Miss. If they can go get a win there, they can They can probably you know, probably stay at DEFCON 4 for a little while, maybe slip down to DEFCON 5. But certainly uh, the way you see it now, you know, they're, they're capable. I, I thought Missouri had another good win against Troy. I, I think what people, are, people aren't talking – and you saw, you saw this team's defense up close, Mike. Mm-hmm. Missouri's playing better defense this year. And, you know, Barry Odom, of course, is a defensive guy. Uh, as a coordinator, he was outstanding, I thought, mastermind even. Um, and they kind of are taking on his personality now. So I think the Tigers, maybe on that side of the ball, are a little bit better than people gave him credit for uh, heading into this season. And, you know, we'll see how Ole Miss attacks him. Because I think with um, – who's, who's the freshman quarterback? Plumley that they have now. Um, Ole Miss. Rice. Yeah, Rice, Rice Plumley. Rice Correct. Plumley. Uh, I think that is a Rich Rodriguez-style quarterback and offense. And I think that if we think back over the years, we'll understand that that stuff has been hard to stop since, like, 2005. <laughs> you know, when they have a true running threat, running that zone read, spread option stuff, uh, it's difficult. And I think that uh, Missouri will have to be ready for that uh, on Saturday, or, or they could um, – they could end up going down to the Rebels. I will say this, a huge loss for Missouri, uh, and this just kind of came out of nowhere, but their their senior linebacker, Cale Garrett, you could make a case he was playing as well as any linebacker in the league. Uh, three defensive touchdowns already. He seems like he's in on every play and kind of the heart and soul of that defense, undergoing uh, surgery for a torn pectoral tendon. God, that sounds painful. Expected expected to miss the rest of the year. That is a big time loss uh, for Mizzou. And I know I know Kale. He's not a household name to a lot of folks out there. But if you if you put Mizzou under the microscope and you know much about Kale Garrett, that is a big time loss in terms of productivity, in terms of leadership, in terms of a lot. So something to keep an eye out in the future. If it doesn't affect him this week, it could affect him in in weeks to come. Alabama A and M. Alabama, a big favorite on the road. Johnny Manziel is not walking through that door. But maybe the Aggies put their best foot forward and surprise some people and make this a game. I think Texas A&M is going to try to line it up and run it at Alabama and keep Bama's offense off the field. And Something tells me that. Don't know it for sure. I know Jimbo Fisher's really good at calling the passing game. And, of course, you have Kellen Mond, but I think that's what they're going to try to do. So they could cover the spread. I just don't, I just don't see the Aggies winning the game. I, I, don't, I don't know that A&M is as good as they were last year. I, I just, uh, It's just one of those things. So um, we'll see what happens there, but I do expect Bama to win. Yeah, I do too. Mississippi State at Tennessee. Big Tennessee <laughs> finally get – you know, you're running out of opportunities for Tennessee to get a conference win. Uh, here's one. You're at home, Mississippi State. The Joe Moorhead era has has not gone as planned, that's for sure. So 
uh, really a big a big time game for both these coaches. I think so. I think Joe Moorhead. You know, it was kind of one of those hires where you just look at it and go, well, that's interesting. You know, they got an offensive guy from the north that they replaced with an offensive guy from the north. Um, You know, and and, and Mississippi State's been okay this year. I mean, I think certainly getting shellacked at Auburn, they're not used to that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Mississippi State loses that game. I think we can safely say that the Bulldogs are sort of slipping uh, with regards to, you know, how, how good they really are uh, as a program. And it'll be huge for Tennessee. But, I mean, I, I, I still don't know, Mike, that, that I'll look at Mississippi State and go, ah, this is a team that's, you know, not as good as Tennessee. I think they're significantly better than the Vols, even with the results they've had this year. So, um if Tennessee wins, I think it'll, you'd have to call it an upset at this point. Uh, there are some bright spots, obviously, in the first half against Georgia. But, you know, like we said, that this kind of shows you how far that program's fallen when you get to, um, you know, get to a situation where, you know, oh, let's uh, cheer over a 43-14 loss at home to a team mm. that we used to routinely beat. I mean, that's that's sad. I, I do like Brian Maurer, the quarterback. Uh, I think he's got a, a pretty good arm. He comes out, and obviously Tennessee's receivers are very capable. They come out and play inspired. I think they could get up off the mat and win. But I don't think they're better than Mississippi State. And I think if Mississippi State plays their best, the Bulldogs will come out of Knoxville with a victory. Yeah, I don't, I'm don't. i not sure if Tennessee on paper is better than anybody in the league. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Arkansas, Vanderbilt. I mean, they're all – I kind of put them in the same pot. I don't know if there's much difference between those three. Put them on a neutral field. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see a, a ton of difference with, with those three teams. But maybe Tennessee can spring one at home against Mississippi State. And the final game, South Carolina at Georgia. Georgia 24-and-a-half-point favorite between the hedges. Uh 5 and 0 is Georgia, 2 and 0 in the SEC. Gamecocks coming off a bye, feeling pretty good about finally getting rid of the Kentucky hex if you will. Uh, what are we expecting out of that ball game? Well, I, I think I think it helps South Carolina it's a new kickoff and and that's I'm going to say that because that's a tribute to what I think Georgia has created uh, in Sanford Stadium with an unbelievable atmosphere with their new lights, the LED lights that make the whole place red. I mean, I've never seen anything like that before, you know, and I was like, and everybody from recruits to fans, people watching on TV remarked that that atmosphere was special. So a noon kickoff obviously is not going to be as daunting for the Gamecocks to have any shot to stay in the game. I think they have to protect Ryan Holinsky and and that that's going to be tough. Georgia's very deep and active on the defensive front, very quick, very aggressive. Um, you know, can they cover the 24 and a half? I think so. But, um, the Gamecocks, it, it would be a monumental upset uh, for them to go in and, and knock off the Bulldogs in Athens. Georgia's just too good, you know, with, with how they can beat you and, you know, the different ways they can beat you. Georgia can beat you playing conservative. People talk about them playing conservative all the time. They can beat you playing conservative. They can beat you playing, you know, fast and, and uh, all out. You know, I think that's the advantage of having a quarterback like Jake Fromm where, yeah, you want to load up and stop the run and all that. They're, they're going to be able to complete passes – uh, and move the football. So I, I think that's the challenge for South Carolina. 
Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was you know closer than twenty four and a half, but I, I don't I don't see the Gamecocks winning. That's the SEC slate. I, I'm looking at the ACC slate, and there's there's nothing to get overly excited about unless you think Florida State is actually going to show up against Clemson and and give the Tigers a run. Uh, I'm I'm failing I'm failing to see many scenarios where that's going to happen. But if you know if Clemson continues to kind of sputter on offense who knows i do think there's a good under the under the radar story not game that'll be featured later that night and that's wake forest wake forest got a chance if they beat louisville at home and they uh should they'll be six and oh overall and two and oh in the acc uh with, with a coach that was with tennessee as the offensive coordinator for one year back in the uh the 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 downfall of phil fulmer then lane lane kiffin says you know thanks but no thanks coach clausen i'm going to bring in my own guys and then he just kind of bounces around and you kind of feel like you'll never really hear from him again and now he's become one of the best coaching stories and maybe one of the hottest candidates with the job he's done in winston-salem the claw fence that's what they used to call it. <laughs> the claw fence at Tennessee. It was it was a disaster. It was like Rob Spence at Clemson level disaster. It was like uh, whoever Will Muschamp has had had his offensive coordinator at Florida level disaster. I mean, it was just it, it was one of the great disasters in the history. Uh, Tony Franklin at Auburn uh, in the history oh, uh, of SEC cool. and football in the South. It was the claw fence was that kind of bad, Mike. That yeah. kind of bad, but. You know, sometimes failure in one situation doesn't mean that you're a failure forever. Let me throw a name out at you where everybody's talking about, um, you know, um, Dave Clawson. Let me throw you the name Warren Ruggiero out there. Wasn't he on Jersey Shore? Probably. <laughs> Warren, Was that the situation? With the situation. Warren <laughs> Ruggiero. All right, so here's a guy that, you know, and this is one of these guys that kind of comes up out of nowhere. He's their OC, and he is one of the most underrated OCs in college football. Um, they set records up there. They go amazingly fast. I mean, unbelievably fast. It gives all kinds of teams some problems. Um, can evaluate talent. Uh, as well, because when he was an assistant at Hofstra, uh, they're called the Pride now, but they used to be called the Flying Dutchman, if you remember that. Uh, that he found a receiver named Marcus Colston, <laughs> who ended up being yeah. pretty good in the NFL. Um, absolutely. So he's one of those small college guys, played at Delaware, uh, that's heck, just worked his way up and been really, really good. So I, I think that. Uh, that's kind of the secret sauce to what old Dave Clawson's been doing at Wake Forest, but hats off to him. You know, Wake, you, you sort of think when Jim Grobe leaves, then, well, there was their run, you know, but Wake Forest for real is probably the second best team in the ACC this year. How about that? How about that? And I continue to be amazed at uh, the job that Coach Norvell has done at Memphis. They'll be at home against Temple. That's actually a that that should be a very competitive game, but if he wins it, they're six and zero. They're two and zero, and there better be better. Uh, I shouldn't say it that way. No knock on Memphis, fine school, fine city. There better be some Power Five schools that start lining up for him. Uh, I'm amazed. It's, it's he hasn't gotten better offers since then. Uh, for a lot of people, the game of the weekend will actually be in the state of Texas. That'll be a noon kickoff, Oklahoma. Texas, Oklahoma, a ten and a half point favorite now. Uh, 
The over-under, by the way, on this game, <laughs> this is Big 12 football in a nutshell. I mean, look, there are athletes. I swear there are. Uh, there are athletes on defense for both these schools. I, I, I promise you there's going to be some guys in the NFL that will play in this game on defense, but you wouldn't know it the way the games typically go. The over-under on this game is 76 and a half. Jeez. To put that in perspective, Michigan, Illinois is 49. Jeez. Okay. Uh, let me see. I was going to check what I, I'd love to see what Florida LSU is. Georgia, South Carolina is 53. Alabama, Texas A&M don't have that. Okay. Florida LSU over under 55. So p- potentially the two biggest games of the weekend. Florida LSU, the over-under is 55. Oklahoma, Texas, it's 76 and a half. My goodness. Is this Canadian football? Is this seven on seven? Uh, Anyway, that's what the number is. Make of it what you will. Do you give Texas a shot? I do. uh, Because Tom Herman, when he's an underdog, he's pretty good. Um, Was it? Was that way at Houston when he was there? He's had some wins. like He beat Oklahoma last year at Texas. So, I think this is when he's the most dangerous is uh, when he's an underdog. I, I think Oklahoma wins. I don't think they cover because um, I think that they're better than Texas. I think, I think Oklahoma's defense quietly is better than it was last year, mm-hmm. um, and I think they're better than Texas. So we'll see what happens. I do too. I like Ellinger, and I like his moxie, and he gives him a chance. But, you know, there were two quarterbacks that transferred for two reasons, Jalen Hurts and Kelly Bryant. One, of course, was playing time, and the other was they wanted to put together some tape and prove that they could be NFL quarterbacks. I think Jalen Hurts is doing that week by week. I think Kelly Bryant is not an NFL quarterback. I don't see it. Um, But Jalen Hurts, to me, accurate and I know it's Lincoln Riley's system. Everybody exceeds in it, but but not not everybody would. It just so happens that he's been able to attract ridiculous talent to perform in his ridiculous, ridiculously good offense. Uh, pretty good combination. That's why they're always in the hunt for a national championship. But I think Jalen Hurts has has done nothing but enhance his stock for the next level. They've got weapons all around him, and they've got the best play caller and best philosophical guy in college football when it comes to offense and Lincoln Riley. I'm just hoping for a good game here. I really am. I like both stories. I, I think college football would be better, will be better, as Texas continues to be relevant. But in order for them to be super relevant, they need to win a couple of these games. They need to go ahead and and shake the apple cart a little bit that has been dominated by Oklahoma in the Big 12 of late. So hopefully we'll have uh, a good one over there in the uh, in the fairgrounds. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, other than that, <laughs> that's about it. Yeah, that's, that's about, that's about it, it, my friend. For the week, so yeah, it's um, it's another one where I mean, I think this one has potential, and I do hope that we're talking next week about wow, what a weekend of college football, man. But uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know that uh, our DefCon scale will definitely change <laughs> if if this weekend can surpass the hype. But I just don't see it. I think it's going to be more of the same. We are we are desperately waiting for those November matchups, and I, I don't recall a season like this where I keep looking at the calendar and saying, nope, this is not the week. Nope, this is not the week. Uh, in this case, it's nope, it's not the month. September and, September and October have been pretty non-plus. I think November has a chance to be outstanding, but uh, 
I, I'm not going to sit here and overhype something that doesn't that doesn't worth it's not worthy of the hype. Like I said, I thought we had that last week with with Michigan State, Ohio State, and people trying to convince you that that was a really great matchup. It wasn't, and it didn't turn out to be. And so many of these so-called great matchups this weekend, again, on paper, you might be a little bit disappointed in the outcomes. Hopefully, hopefully we won't be. Hopefully we'll have a lot to talk about next week in the way of upsets and uh, fantastic games and finishes. JC, I like this. This has been our first preview installment yes. of Stacey and Morgan podcast, and we'll do it again next week. Yes, we will.